Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we're starting a new chapter here on verified memory management. Uh, this is a tough topic and a little different from some of our flights of logical fancy, like talking about linear logic and stuff like that. Although that some of those ideas, hey, may might show up again because things like tracking um, resources using linear types is a technique that is used um, when uh, you know trying to verify in some proposals when trying to verify uh, that programs are managing their memory correctly. So uh, yeah, so today I this is really the first episode trying to dig into any particular paper or work out there, and I want to talk about region-based memory management. Um, I'm getting out, I'm dusting off my I'm not an expert hat and popping it right on because um, I'm definitely not an expert in region-based memory management, but you know what? It's good to learn about something even if you're not an expert in it. <laughs> I mean, if you're a super expert, I guess you, you already know it. So, um, uh, yeah, so region-based memory management. Uh, and I've been reading a little bit about this, a couple of different papers that I want to talk about a little bit. Um, one, um, the, the sort of seminal paper about this is by Tofte. I don't have to say the name. I'm so sorry. Tofte and Telpan. Uh, and they basically proposed that um, in the context of a higher-order functional programming language, namely standard ML, uh, they proposed um, a type and effect system. So they basically proposed doing some program analysis to make sure that your program is um, declaring sort of where things, sh where memory should be allocated correctly, and it, where your choices of where to allocate things are are like on the stack. <laughs> um, actually, no, I'm, I should be careful because I've read two papers. I looked at that one, and I also looked at this paper called "Region-Based Memory Management in Cyclone," which is from the a Tofte and Telpan paper is from the ooh early 90s or something, and the Cyclone paper is from the late 90s, or I, I'm sorry, the dates are maybe a little off, but definitely, for sure, the, the Cyclone one comes a good bit after. And yeah, so in Cyclone, they, they also are basically trying to use the idea that we're going to use a static, like that means, you know, compile time program analysis to make sure or to try to deduce, you know, that you've uh, put, you know, you've indicated where to, what um, regions of memory to stick value, you know, data structures that you're creating in such a way that your code isn't going to have any dangling pointer dereferences. Okay, and the um, Tufte and Telpan's original idea, which as far as I recall now, it was um, carried over into this work in Cyclone, um, was that we're going to basically have uh, statically indicated regions. Like, so we'll say, we have like a, a construct that lets you create a new region that will be active in a particular, you know, static scope of your code. So you say something like let region or new region or something, you give it a name, and then you give it a, a block of code. And all within that code and things that, you know, functions that code calls, uh, you can make use of that region. And then you make use of it just by saying, I want to allocate memory in that region. Like if I'm going to create a new list cell, like for a singly linked list, you could say, I don't want to just stick it in the heap. You can say, I want to stick it in region R. 
Okay, so instead of like a new or a malloc, there's something like a R new, like a region new or a region malloc. Allocate this data, this, you know, give me a piece of memory in this region. And uh, then the idea is that, you know, so as we were saying, in both of these proposals, there's a, uh, you indicate like this region is active in this section of code. When that section of code, when execution, you know, leaves that section of code, then the region is deallocated. So all the data structures that you might have put in there are just, goop, you know, recollected in w one quick little operation. So this scheme in itself does, is not a garbage collection scheme. So uh, that that is already makes it a good candidate for being discussed in this chapter of our podcast because I, I'm pretty, I, I you know, like learning about garbage collection, but as I mentioned, I think it's fundamentally, um, it, it's, a, it's provided an enormous benefit for programming, so we shouldn't criticize it, but it's, it's a local optimum. I think we can do better than garbage collection uh, by, by verifying programmer, you know, determined memory management. So anyway, so this region scheme, it's kind of, uh, okay, so anyway, so the idea is we, you, you can declare a region, you can put things into that region, and when the, the, that, that scope of your program, when execution leaves the scope where you said let region or new region or whatever, then we collect that region. And that means, you know, we get very efficient deallocation this way. We're going to deallocate all the data structures that you slapped in there and get deallocated instantly. Because we just have a big chunk of memory that we've been dishing out uh, things from, and it's just that big chunk of memory just gets gobbled up and recycled. I mean, of course, there's a little more to the story because it seems that going back, so this idea of region-based memory management, um, really we should say something like type-based region, you know, type-based memory management with regions or something. Because, and the Tofty Intel pen paper might have had a title that got all those words in there well, more elegantly than I did. Uh, because the idea of organizing memory into regions like this actually goes back quite a bit before people tried to verify that you were doing it correctly. So, and the Wikipedia page, I'm not ashamed to, to <laughs> cite Wikipedia on my podcast. I learned a ton of stuff from Wikipedia. It's one of the best things on the internet. Um, they talk about some historical sources from the 60s even, people who are trying to allocate memory into regions so that the regions could be collected, you know, really efficiently. Like when it's time to get rid of the region, you just, boom, blow that whole thing away. Or in the scheme that I saw, I was like, okay, the region is actually a linked list of chunks of memory that are doubling in size and blah, 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 so that, um, you know, we can grow the regions dynamically. So these regions are intended to be, to grow dynamically. They're not fixed size or something. Um, and then, okay, so the, the, and on the typing side, we're basically, okay, so the, yeah, the scheme operationally is put, you know, say where you want to allocate the memory and then gobble up those uh, regions very efficiently when it's time for them to go away. The, on the sort of verification or typing side, now this is not theorem-proving verification. This is not, um, you know, I'm going to sit there and write a proof that my program works correctly. This is, uh, you know, type inference-based verification, you know, one of our most powerful and effective forms of verification is running a type checker on a program or a type inference engine that tries to figure certain things out. Due to the ridiculously impossible nature of program analysis, I mean, the fact that you 
pretty much any problem you want to try to, to solve in general is going to be undecidable. Like provably, you can't write a program that does things like tell if programs terminate or tell if this line of code is ever reached or all that kind of stuff. Um, so because of, it's so impossible to figure things out automatically, you, um, uh, in general, in a precise way, these algorithms all are going to have some degree of approximation or conservativeness to them. So we're going to, it might be that our program would be perfectly safe, but some inference algorithm says, oh, I don't know. It looks like when this region goes away that maybe there's a dangling pointer. And so you can't do, you can't make the region go away here. You'd have to be more conservative and allocate this data structure you want to allocate might be has to go into a region further up the stack of regions, right? So the, the closer, I guess, you know, I guess, again, my not an expert hat here, the, you know, so your regions by this static scoping design, uh, your regions have a stack and the, if you can put data structures lower down the stack, that means they're going to be collected sooner than, reach, than if you put data structures higher up the stack. So it, at least at first blush, it would appear that you would want to try to put things as low down in your stack of regions as you possibly could. Uh, you know, I mean, what would be the motivation for that? Well, you want to collect stuff as soon as you can, presumably, so that you can free up that memory sooner rather than having memory that's not going to be used. Like say you have some data structure and you're all really all done with it, but for some reason, like maybe conservativeness of your type inference algorithm, you were forced to put it in some region that's pretty high up, that's gonna be around for a while. A lot more computing is gonna happen. And this data structure is really done. I mean, it really, you really could collect it, but you know, you kind of, your inference conservativeness means that you, you can't. It's got to sit around and sit around and sit around until finally we, um, execution leaves some um, static scope further up, you know, in your code and that region gets collected. So, um, yeah, so the hard work and looking at the top to Intel pan paper, it's like pretty serious stuff. The hard work is in, um, in sort of verifying that the algorithm, you know, describing the algorithms for um, figuring out what, for trying to infer what regions things should go in, or trying to check that region annotations that a program might have written um, are really legal. And um, so making sure that, you know, proving theory in, you know, this sort of application of theoretical programming languages technology, you know, to prove that these algorithms really do ensure that you won't um, dereference a dangling pointer. And, and interestingly, in the Tuft Intel pen paper, they talk about their scheme allows you to have dangling pointers. It just has to make sure that you never refer dereference them. Yeah, totally. It's fine. If you have some data structure that's got some weird junk pointer that you, you're actually able to see from static analysis of the code is not going to be referenced after a certain point, then that pointer could be tolerated. So, interesting stuff. Um, for learning about this, actually, if you check, if you Google region-based memory management, I thought the Wikipedia page was very great, and it talked about the Tufting Intel pen paper, and it also talked about this paper on Cyclone. For reading the two papers, the Tufting Intel pen paper was tough, and I didn't get through all of it. It's long, it's very technical, and honestly, I was 
a lot of the writing was helpful and informative and there were a lot of examples and stuff, but I also kind of missed the big picture like for a while until I read this um, region-based memory management and cyclone paper. I recommend that if you're not super, you know, um, theoretical programming languages bench presser or whatever, and you, you know, don't really want to wade through lots of super technical stuff. But this cyclone paper was totally readable. It made total sense um, from a programmer's perspective. It's like we have pointers with every pointer, the pointer type itself tells you what region that pointer's in. Okay, and so, uh, and then the type system is going to keep track of kind of which regions are currently live, and you can only dereference a pointer if it's live. I mean, if its region is live. So, uh, and they did a very nice job of explaining um, the design of some of the issues in really, really clear um, pros. So I, I applaud them as no doubt many, many have because that's a, that's a pretty famous and what I believe quite well regarded paper in this field. Um, some, you know, quite some years ago now, uh, I'm definitely feeling, you know, feeling <laughs> how long I've been working on this sort of, how long I've been a researcher because it's like, yeah, I remember when that stuff was really new, but now it's, that's like kind of old, that's yesterday's stuff. Um, but still great, beautiful work. Uh, so, yeah, oh, and so one last point here about this region-based memory management. One of the things that makes it tough and where the, you need some, you know, good type inference is that uh, you can have things like you can hide pointers in data structures, right? And depending on what language features you have, uh, you, you have to be careful because hiding you might be able to hide pointers in a way that kind of obscures what their region is. Uh, and, and both the Cyclone, the Cyclone paper did a really great job of sort of showing examples of this. The Tough to Tell Pan paper, it's in there somewhere, but I, I couldn't dig up where it was. But they, um, in the Tough to Tell Pan paper, they talk about closures, right? So if you have a function, if you have a lambda abstraction, like an anonymous function somewhere that references variables that are bound outside that lambda abstraction, right? When you implement this, modern programming, I mean, functional programming languages use closures. They basically use some data structure that keeps track of the values of these variables that are outside the, the scope of the lambda abstraction itself. And you can, uh, you know, so those, the, the type of the closure normally wouldn't, I mean, if you just didn't have any regions or this kind of business to think about, the type of the closure wouldn't tell you anything about the types of the variables from outside the closure that it's referencing. That's really irrelevant. The closure, you know, just has a certain input-output behavior. The fact that it's referencing some things outside of its definition to achieve that input-output behavior is irrelevant. Well, it's not irrelevant when you're trying to track memory and um, watch out for dangling pointer dereferences. And so that type inference algorithms both in both these papers I'm talking about today have to try to conservatively keep track of the regions that need to be in existence when you access, um, when you do things like call uh, a function. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you that. I didn't, as I said, I couldn't really dig that out of the Tuft Intel pen paper, though it's certainly in there. But they talk about this very explicitly in the Cyclone paper, where they don't have closures, because they're trying to be more like a C, uh, like a version of C, that was the idea of Cyclone, to be kind of a memory-safe version of C. Very ambitious and totally awesome idea. 
Uh, I mean, except for the fact that C is pretty horrible, and we hopefully could do better than that, which the authors of this paper would love to do as well. But, um, you know, for uh, that's a good a milestone, uh, that was a, definitely a really great idea. Um, so they don't have closures, but they have other kinds of existential types for certain data structures or something that lets them hide pointers. And so they also had to deal with this issue, kind of like, don't let dangling pointers be hidden and escape their scope, right? You have this let region, you don't want a dangling pointer to some um, data that you allocated in that region to escape this syntactic scope. Because when the syntactic, when your execution leaves the syntactic scope, you're going to free that region. And so then you could create a dangling um, pointer. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, this were, these are pretty intense papers to get into. I hope I managed to convey something, and I hope I didn't make loads of mistakes about it. <laughs> so um, thanks for writing. I had somebody write in about this topic, so write in if you have something you want to share. Um, by the end of this summer, I am definitely going to set up that Discord server. It just I just got a lot of stuff going on, and um, that, that'll be a good way for people to communicate and chat. But right now, you know, hey, I came of age in the 90s on computers, so... I mean, please just use email. It's where you, it's kind of like a letter. Anyway, thanks for listening. Hope you're well. Take care.